Welcome to The Megyn Kelly Show, your home for open, honest, and provocative conversations. Hey everyone, I'm Megyn Kelly. Welcome to The Megyn Kelly Show. Our hearts are heavy this Monday morning, as yet again an American community is in mourning thanks to a madman who decided to take out his hate on innocent people doing the most mundane and routine of tasks, grocery shopping. It had been a beautiful, sunny Saturday afternoon in Buffalo, New York. Women at the Tops store to buy dinner for their families, a retired police officer working security. When an 18-year-old who was known to authorities opened fire outside the store, first killing three people, that former cop we mentioned, 55-year-old Aaron Salter, jumped into action and opened fire in defense of others. He was unable to take out the gunman, however, who was wearing body armor. Salter was killed and died a hero. Inside the store, people started running for their lives. Can you imagine the terror? Can you imagine just trying to shop for your groceries and some lunatic is in there trying to kill you and your children? A dad hiding with his eight-year-old daughter in a freezer to escape the gunfire. 65-year-old Celestine Cheney was there with her sister looking to pick up some shrimp for her husband and strawberries because she wanted to make strawberry shortcake. As the bullets started flying, she and her sister ran. Her sister made it out, but Celestine, a grandmother of six, did not. When it was all over, 10 people were dead. Three others hurt. Nearly all of the victims were black, many of them seniors. This guy was shooting down elderly people. Total coward. Their families are now planning funerals far too early as their broken-hearted community kneels in prayer. Little children spotted near the store holding hands as they walk down the street. Their innocence lost. Look at this picture. If, you, if you're just listening, go check it out on YouTube. And just remember, it's at the two-minute mark of the show. Wow, you need to see this. Mm. It's five little children holding hands just walking down the street together, linked in support of one another, of their community. One police officer seen bending down behind the crime scene tape to talk with young children outside the store. It's hard to see, but the little girl's shirt reads, Love All Beings. Oh my God, it's horrific. That is just horrific. We will not be naming the shooter on this program consistent with our policy of not naming mass shooters, who in part are out for infamy, and we decline to help. He's pleaded not guilty, but he also left behind a trove of information including a 180-page manifesto filled with racist and anti-Semitic commentary. The shooter was white, detailing how and why he picked his target. Some in the media have been quick to point fingers and even place blame on our friend and very popular Fox News host, Tucker Carlson. It's outrageous. It's wrong, both factually and morally. Why do we have to go to that place immediately on these stories? Why can't we spend two fucking minutes mourning the people who are dead and trying to understand that we have insane people in this country? We have lunatics. It's a huge country. We're not going to be able to get rid of them all. It infuriates me. People have to inject their politics into everything. And this guy had a racist manifesto. There's no question. That doesn't make it Tucker Carlson's fault. Just stop it. Just stop it. There's the lunatic over at Rolling Stone, her headline. This is this is a person who wrote for uh, The New Yorker and was fired for wrongly claiming that an ice worker had a Nazi tattoo on his arm. In fact, it was his platoon's uh, sign 
from when he served our nation honorably in Afghanistan, trying to protect this lunatic so-called journalist who then tried to defame him when he went on to work for ICE. This woman now, well, she, in between, she worked for Media Matters. Now she works for Rolling Stone, publishing a piece today, the headline of which was, The Buffalo Shooter Isn't a Lone Wolf. He's a Mainstream Republican. And yet, if you read the shooter's own words, he actually hated Fox News and he hated conservatism. But apparently that doesn't fit with the narrative these people want to sell. Let's bring in Brandon Tatum, a former police officer and host of the Officer Tatum Show and podcast. Brandon, welcome to the show. Sorry to start with the profanity. It's just so infuriating to me that the death of these good people immediately has to be turned into a political cudgel immediately. Your thoughts on all of it? Yeah, man. And I, I see why you're very upset. And I think most people in this country that are rational are, are extremely upset. I watched the video that he live streamed um, because I wanted to see exactly what happened. And it, it was the, uh, the biggest display of evilness and disconnect from human society that I've ever seen in my life. And to see people coming out instead of saying, look, this is a problem. This individual was deranged. This is unacceptable in our country. We pray for the families that have lost their loved ones who were just shopping at a grocery store because a person wants to be a lunatic and take his own ideologies and take them personal against people that have nothing to do with what he's saying. Instead of them con having the condolences for those family members, they want to make it about politics. There is no other person on planet Earth that's responsible for what happened in Buffalo, but the person who took who pulled the trigger on that gun. And I don't want to hear it from either side about who's more responsible than who is it is. It is wrong for someone to do that to innocent people and, and, and to do that in general, to murder people based on a difference of ideologies. And I, I think it's shameful. And these Democrats, they are looking for opportunities to make a, a rift between people so that they can leverage votes in the midterms and in the 2024 election. Mm -hmm. I'm almost confident that that's what they're doing. They want this to be about gun laws. Buffalo has one of the, well, at least New York has one of the strictest, they have some of the strictest gun laws yes. that we've ever, that I have ever seen. But that's not going to stop a person who's a criminal. Restricting guns from law-abiding citizens is not the solution to the problem. Blaming white people and claiming white supremacy as the leading cause of issues in our country is not going to fix the issue. They are just funneling lies and propaganda. If you look at any statistical data, if you want to go to the data, it appears to me that minority groups like Asians and black people are disproportionately represented in mass shootings. They don't want to talk about that. To me, in this situation, is not relevant. But if you want to bring out talking points and facts, then give us the whole story. They won't tell you that in the manifesto, the, the kid had declared that he was not a Republican. He declared that he did not agree with many things that Republicans are talking about. He was not a Christian. He did not believe in God. And but they don't want us to believe that they don't want you to know that. And I think it's shameful. No, he called himself. He calls himself a left wing authoritarian and, quote, a populist. Uh, he says, on the political compass, I fall in the mild to moderate authoritarian left, and I would prefer to be called a populist. Um, he spoke passionately of this is quoting from Glenn Greenwald, who has gone through the manifesto word for word. Uh, he he uh, 
spoke passionately on the centrality and necessity of environmentalism, lamented that the state has long since heavily lost to its corporate backers, um, ranted against corporate profits and the ever increasing wealth of the one percent that exploit the people for their own benefit, vehemently rejected any admiration for political conservatism, but made clear he viewed it as an enemy to his agenda. Conservatism is corporatism in disguise. I want no part of it. And yet within an hour of the news of this murder spree in Buffalo, still going off of Glenn here, uh, the media was blaming it on Tucker Carlson before anybody had even had a chance to read this manifesto. Now, here's what we know. He he did believe in something called the great replacement theory, and he acknowledged that this is his research from the Internet. He, he was not a Tucker Carlson fan. We don't even have any proof whatsoever he'd ever seen a Tucker Carlson show or even knew who he was. None. Zero. OK, that's what people need to remember as the media tries to blame this on Tucker. But he he did believe in something called the great replacement theory. We can talk about this. We can get into what that is. He attributes his teachers on it to these other white supremacists overseas. Uh, the shooter in Christchurch, New Zealand in 2019, who killed uh, dozens at a summer camp. I'm oh, sorry, who killed uh, many at a mosque. And then another uh, who killed at a, a many at a summer camp in Norway. Um, he said he's been radicalized entirely by the Internet. All right. And that he's been inspired by somebody like Brenton Tarrant, the some guy who's a white supremacist who live streamed himself. That's the one murdering 51 Muslims at a mosque in Christchurch, New Zealand. OK, so he said that guy radicalized him the most. He went on uh, to list other mass shootings that inspired him. My experience with these cases, Brandon, and I, I don't purport to be an expert in mental health or law enforcement like you. But my experience in these cases is. People who want to commit mass shootings will find whatever excuse necessary. They're not mentally well. And our system is terrible at even once we've red flagged these people, finding a way to deprive them of their civil liberties for a temporary basis so we can figure out what to do with them so they don't unleash more hell on society. And this guy, indeed, one year ago, June 8th, 2021, police were called to his high school in Conklin, New York, um, and they had him brought in, I guess, for a mental health evaluation, and then nothing was done. We don't know why he spent a day and a half at the hospital. He was released. We had no further contract with law enforcement thereafter. But my take on this is there are lunatics in this country. We can try to red flag them. We should be much more liberal with civil confinement while we figure out just how big a danger they are to society. But they're motivated by all sorts of things. And to try to blame this on a television host is also insane. Yeah, these, these people are deranged. I don't think any now both people are deranged. You have the people who are trying to blame Tucker Carlson, which he's never promoted violence. If anything, he always says uh, uh, speaks about not participating in violence. And no rational person thinks that anyone on television should be directly responsible. But these individuals that are like the, the one who did the shooting in Buffalo, they are extremely mentally deranged. There is something really wrong with them. They have not connected with humans in society in a way in which that's meaningful. Because like I said, I watched the video and for a person to go out and shoot people in the way he did, he has no connection to human life. And to read his manifesto, and I, and I read large portions of it, I'm gonna try to finish reading the rest of it today. But, you know, he's disconnected with reality. His, his thought process is not normal. And 
I'm not trying to blame his parents 100%, but you would, you would think as a parent myself that you have a responsibility to monitor your child and know when there's something off with your kid. When you mm-hmm. look at him or you challenge him on some things, you try to hold him accountable and he has a, a glazed over eyes and he's playing video games that are, I, I would argue he's probably playing video games that are very violent given the fact that he has no tactical experience in, in the way he was operating, you know, but it, as a parent, you have to monitor your children. You, you owe it to society to make sure your kid is okay. Why is your child threatening to shoot up a school that don't just come from nowhere? A kid is not growing up completely normal, have no issues. And then because he looks at the Internet once or twice, somehow mm-hmm. he's OK with murdering innocent people, driving three hours across town and still have the mentality that he's going to go through with it. That yeah. is a perpetuation of behavioral issues growing up that were exacerbated, in my opinion, um, probably during the 2020 period where kids were shut down, not being able to go to school and being able to be on the Internet more often than they should have been. So I think that there's a lot of blame to go around, isolated blame for him for pulling the trigger. But there's somewhat vicarious responsibility from people like parents and, and, and authorities who have had contact with him, who have already been warned yeah. that he was a dangerous individual. And this is not the first time this has happened. No, Many of these active shooters have already been in connection with the, with FBI. Most of them, most of them have had some sort of dealings with either police, law enforcement or school authorities who have marked them as a potential problem. This kid at the issue in June of 2021 um, was not issuing racist threats at his school, not, nor threats directed at a specific person or place. Um, however, law enforcement told the Associated Press that this shooter, who was then 17, had threatened to shoot up Pennsylvania's Susquehanna High School around the time of graduation. Okay, so it wasn't a race-based thing. It was just he wanted to shoot a bunch of people a year ago. Then he spends time on the internet, obviously, following these mass shootings, which were racially motivated, and he finds new inspiration to kill a different group of innocent people. We can talk about all of it. We can talk about great, great replacement theory. We can talk about the fact that there is there there are white supremacists in the United States. We're not unique in that. We do have some here without casting this huge wide net to encompass all Republicans like the lunatic from Rolling Stone says, you know, even Liz Cheney is out there today tweeting about her own party, like somehow the GOP is to blame for this. It's so deeply wrong. And if you did this You know, look what happened in Waukesha, where a black man mowed down all these old, older people, these marching grannies. They they went by. They were white. It was shortly after the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict. And he had very anti-white and anti-Semitic postings online. The media totally ignored it. No problem. They only do this one way, Brandon, and it is to push their own political agenda, which is part of the reason why we never make progress on what's really driving these things. A thousand percent. I mean, that's that's why I think it's invaluable. And I know they've scraped it from the Internet. It's very hard to see it somewhat. If you are an intelligent person and you want to get to the bottom of and find solutions, you may want to read to a certain degree this person's manifesto to see, to get insight on what is in the minds of this young man. And are is are these issues that are perpetuated in other young men? What are the issues that are going on and address those? If you are just sitting saying Tucker Carlson is the issue. That's not going to stop the next kid from doing what he's doing. 
what this guy did. It's not going to stop anything. Exactly. And if you are just doing this for political expediency, you're, you're, you're not accomplishing anything. And Liz Cheney and these cowardice Republicans, they are the biggest cowards I've ever seen in my life. They are no better than these deranged leftist Democrats. When you are sitting here and you know the truth, Liz knows the truth. She, she's not that, you know, ignorant. Mm-hmm. But you're pushing an agenda to, to, to gain favor in an election season. Yes. That, that's all that this is. And re- Democrats specifically, because I think they do this the worst. They need to tone down their rhetoric, especially lies and propaganda that they're pushing out there. When you get on television, I know people may not like to hear me say this, but when you get on television and you consistently talk about white people as if they're the enemy of our country, our founding fathers are not right in the eyes of Democrats. Uh, Police officers are racist uh, in the eyes of Democrats. Every white person has some level of white privilege, which puts them at an advantage over every black person in America, according to the Democrats. They do want to push that white people get pushed away from mainstream society. And when you continue to push this crazy rhetoric, not saying it's 100 percent their fault, but you better watch out for these lunatics that take that. And and, and let me add this point, too. Just like the dude in, in Waukesha, I, I forget, I hope I'm not saying it wrong, um, in the in in individual in Dallas that shot up those police officers, murdered yep. them in cold blood, only yep. shooting white police officers. You, the rhetoric that's being spewed that black people are under attack and that the white man is holding us back and we are no better off today than we were in, in, in slavery. That rhetoric, too builds hatred and animosity within people and cause them to be radicalized. I think that the radical gentleman in, uh, I won't call him a gentleman. He's a, he's an evil thug. The guy in Buffalo, I would argue that the, the, the divisive behavior and radicalization comes from some of the things that are, are being spewed. Some of the hatred rhetoric, some of it, I'm not saying that all of it are a majority of it, but some of that is coming from what these Democrats are spewing. And it's not based in truth. It's based in lies and hatred. He uh, he actually had reportedly the names of one of the victims who was mowed down in Waukesha on his gun. So, I mean, who knows what this what this guy, what his real motivation was. I want to know more about what he wanted to do in June of 2021. And I realized it was very focused on race and he was an anti-Semite as well uh, by the time he walked into that Buffalo grocery store. But we're not doing ourselves any favors by pretending this is the fault of a cable news host. The same as we didn't do ourselves any favors by if to, to the extent anybody thought Rachel Maddow was to blame for the Bernie Sanders supporter who went and shot Steve Scalise and four others, even though that guy specifically said, unlike this guy, he was obsessed with Rachel Maddow. He loved her show. He was a huge fan. Right. So the, he he was listening to all of her narratives about the GOP. And then he went up and shot a bunch of Republicans on a baseball field. That wasn't her fault. That was not her fault. This is not the fault of Tucker Carlson, who. I don't know what they're saying. The, the people he followed, the shooter in this case, overseas, believed in something called the Great Replacement Theory that was about white people panicking that there are too many people of color being brought into, could it be Europe, could it be the United States, whatever country they were in, and that black people were going to outnumber white people. And so there was a panic of trying to, or it could be Muslims, it didn't have to be black people. And so that's what they use as the Great Replacement Theory. That is 
That is not at all what Tucker Carlson talks about on his show. He he's pro-America first. He doesn't care whether you're black. He doesn't care whether you're white. Doesn't care whether you're Muslim. He's pro-America first. And he doesn't like illegal immigration, which is a totally mainstream Republican position. Used to be a mainstream Democrat position, too. Um, I asked him about some of this blowback when he came on my show uh, last September. Here's a bit of our exchange. So the great replacement theory is, in fact, not a theory. It's something that the Democrats brag about constantly up to and including the president. And in one sentence, it's this. Rather than convince the current population that our policies are working and they should vote for us as a result, we can't be bothered to do that. We're instead going to change the composition of the population and bring in people who will vote for us. So that's there isn't actually inherently a racial component to it. And and obviously, I'm not going to stop saying it because they're saying it. They've written books about it and monographs and endless number of speeches. You know, immigration will make this a more democratic country. Okay, that's what they believe. That was Teddy. That was Teddy Kennedy's motive in passing the 1965 immigration law was to change the composition of the country. And I just think that that's anti-democratic. American citizens should control their government and they do it by voting. And if you dilute their voting power with immigration, you are undermining democracy by definition. Political immigration. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking. He's this isn't. But the media tries to get him. They try to get him by saying, oh, it's it's like a sister. You know, his argument is like a sister of what those mass shooters pursued. And therefore, this is his fault, even though there's absolutely no tie between Tucker and this shooter. The, this shooter, as far as we know, couldn't stand Fox News and didn't even know who Tucker was. Right. I think that what they do is they strategically conflate a few different things and therefore they can find consistency wherever they want to plagiarize consistency in what anybody says. You know, I do. Th- I personally think that there's an attack on white straight men in this country. Does that mean that you're supposed to go out and kill people? No, nobody's even alluding to that is being aware of an issue and then you use your vote and you go out and run for office and do things that you think could make it make a difference it is clear that they're trying to influx a different voting class into the united states of america through illegal immigration because when you see that black people in this country are falling away from the democrat party at the numbers in which we've seen over the last several years throughout donald trump's uh administration they are panicking politically and that's why when they go out to run for office they have the presidential debate, they're starting to speak in Spanish. What are you speaking in Spanish for? That's not a, that's not the language in the United States of America. And uh, to be honest, if people only speak Spanish and they don't know English, they're not they're watching Telemundo. They're not watching a regular TV program that you speak Spanish for three seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's clear that they don't care about people at the border. This is a fact. They don't care that kids are getting trafficked. They don't care that women are getting raped. They don't care that people are getting left in the desert by coyotes whom are paid to bring people over to our country. They don't care. They want them to come here to America. They're willing to to extract resources from the American citizens and our tax dollars to support these individuals with the hopes that one day they'll be able to grant massive citizenship to all of these people. And in return, they'll get votes. That's exactly what they're doing. They've turned away from the minority vote in the, in the black community. I, I believe they turned away from it. They pander here and there. They get Kamala, cackling Kamala Harris in there. Um, they they go down to Buffalo to, I don't know what they're going to do down there. To oh, give yeah. A little no, speech. Joe Biden's on his way. He's going to Waukesha. Yeah. I'm sorry, he's going to Buffalo. He did not go to Waukesha. 
He he did no. he did not go to Waukesha, Wisconsin when the when the dancing right. grandmothers got mowed down, and and that headline on CNN was car car attacks parade goers. Not a black man who had written anti-white posts online and anti-Semitic posts online attacking white people because it, when it's that way, race has nothing to do with it, right? Joe Biden didn't feel the need, to go to, the need to go there. And now you have a white man intentionally killing black people. And for sure, he said race had something to do with it. I get it. Um, but the total knee-jerk need to ignore race when it's the one way and make it all about race when it's the other is obvious to all of us. That's why Joe Biden's going there. He sees an electoral opportunity and, and make it this weird thing that I, you know it's crazy how instantaneously they've validated this manifesto because as soon as the shooting happened there's emerged this manifesto and they they validated it I, and, and, and in my opinion initially i was like how, how do they know this is even real how mm. do they know this is not something somebody that, that recreated on his behalf. How do we not understand that? I mean, that's actually a very interesting point because they do. I've, I've been through enough terrorist attacks here in the United States where it's committed by a Muslim man where they spend days before they'll say it's real. You know, this hateful document that he posted in justification of his actions. They're so careful, right? When it's when that's the profile. But now it's like, hey, definitely him. Here you go. Now, I just want to show the audience what we're talking about because there's such a wide smattering. I mean, this morning, every morning I listen to conservative news podcasts and liberal news podcasts to make sure no one's corrupting my brain. I don't want to be manipulated by anybody. And so I do put myself through the NPR uh, up first podcast every morning. And it, they mentioned Tucker. They were like, and to their credit, they mentioned that the, there was absolutely no link in the manifesto to Tucker or saying the guy was a fan, but they blamed it on him. They quoted Media Matters. They said it's basically a political argument that's been, you know, it's very dangerous for him to be making this in Fox News. And they were not alone. I'll give you a couple of the examples uh, before I play the soundbite. CNN's Abby Phillip calls out Tucker in Fox News. If you watch Fox News, this is the mainstay of their primetime hours. Tucker discusses it sometimes in euphemistic form, but not really all that euphemistic. Representative Adam Schiff. Tucker's many things, but he's not stupid. When he pushes racist conspiracies like the Great Replacement, he knows the risks. He knows some view his vile hate as a call to arms. The problem is Tucker just doesn't give a damn about anyone but himself. Rick Wilson, the Buffalo Killers manifesto reads like a, this is a, a Lincoln Project guy, uh, reads like a job application for a junior producer on Tucker Carlson. And no, I'm not, I'm not being flippant. Matthew Dowd, always to be counted on for something terrible, though they aren't likely to be held criminally responsible. I hold morally responsible for the shooting in Buffalo folks like Tucker, Laura Ingram, Trump, GOP leaders like Elise Stefanik, Cruz, Hawley, et cetera. Get them all in there. Rob Reiner, the actor turned deranged tweeter. The racist massacre in Buffalo rests at the feet of Donald Trump, Tucker Carlson and the GOP. There are not fine people on both sides. And here is a soundbite giving you a bit more of that. And there are people, and I, I don't think we should be dancing around his name. There are people like Tucker Carlson who are directly trying to preach to these people. Tucker are- Carlson has said right-wing extremism doesn't exist. It's not a thing. If so- you watch Fox News, this is the mainstay of their primetime hours. Tucker Carlson discusses it in sometimes euphemistic form. It's so crazy, Brandon. We, we literally had an anti-police, an anti uh, white supremacist ideology um, on display uh, last month. This is guy. This is a guy, self-identified black nationalist, who went on a shooting spree on the New York City subway. They moved on from that story too in about two seconds, right? But Tucker Carlson, and by the way, no cop, n- none of those people 
said anything about Rachel Maddow, right? Right. They see an opportunity to silence somebody who's got a very big platform and a very effective way of messaging on, on, on many things and who they perceive as a threat. They're, they're trying to take him out. First, it was the New York Times with this deep profile trying to say he's a racist. And now this, they can't spend two minutes mourning the dead. They got to blame it on a cable news host. Yes, it's crazy that that they picked Tucker Carlson. I, I feel like they're going to get a man um, more publicity and then people are going to realize that they completely lied and that's not what he stands for. No, no, no Republicans stand for this stuff, man. Every Republican has come out very clearly and decisively and said this guy's a complete lunatic. It, it, it is it is asinine to me because they act as if every Republican is a is a white person. What about the black people who support Tucker Carson and watch him every single day? You Is ain't black, Brandon. You ain't black. Maybe you've heard our president's yeah. already weighed in on that. Yeah, according to your guy, Joe Biden, who's a, who, <laughs> in my opinion, made a racist statement by saying I ain't black if I don't know who I want to vote for. Exactly. Um, you know, it's, it's very it's very interesting how they're using some of these talking points as if they're receiving the one email and all of them get out there and say the same thing. You know, it's a, it's a complete double standard. You had mentioned the, the gentleman in New York. I don't like to call these people gentlemen. I try to be respectful as a Southern guy. But these individual, the individual in a, in a New York City subway, I mean, his videos on YouTube were completely radical. He, he was he said he hated white people. And that white people are the scum. Black people should not even have give or have relationships with white people. They should not mix. That is one of the most deranged, racist things I've ever heard. He goes out and shoots up a subway full of white people, and no, they won't even cover it. They won't even call him a a, a radical. And 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 I'll tell you this: people, I don't know what they're thinking. Like there's radical people on both sides. There are black people out here that adamantly hate white people and they attack them now i'm gonna make this point because i think if they want to be fair about making points and trying to hold people accountable based on rhetoric then every rapper that i have heard in the last 15 years should all be indicted and go to prison when you look at the murders that that occur in the inner cities 50 plus percent of all murders in this country are associated with black black males and most of the victims are uh black males and when you look at the rap music and the rhetoric from from that side of it, then how are they not vicariously responsible? How are they not responsible when when the music is telling other young brothers to kill each other and to murder people and to be sexually promiscuous? If you want to say Tucker's uh, or someone using Tuck, some of Tucker's talking points, potentially plagiarizing and taking it out of context and using it for evil, then you have to hold the, hold the line in the same direction. Yeah, it, doesn't, Omar, it doesn't work that way. Islam. And you got the, the, the Pulse City nightclub where a, a Muslim guy goes in and kills 50 people or so. Why, why is she not responsible? How is pushing Islam and Sharia law not responsible for that? If we're not going to hold everybody to, to the same account, then people need to shut up with making that comparison. I have to tell you, it's it's wrong, but it's also scary because unlike Trump, who took a lot of this you know, kind of incoming, Tucker doesn't have Secret Service protecting him. Um, I'm not going to get into his security, but he's much more vulnerable. And I don't want to hear one more word about reporters crying in their soup over mean tweets and what a toxic environment the Internet is for reporters just trying to do their jobs who are now creating this kind of rhetoric about a guy hosting a cable news show who has defended Black Americans, Muslim Americans, Jewish Americans, white Americans, doesn't matter. He's about America first. And they don't they don't like it. 
And they are endangering him when there's this kind of a pile on trying to say this man at his cable news post is responsible for the death of 10 people. It's wrong. I say again, it's factually wrong. It's morally wrong. And it's dangerous. We need to have an honest discussion about what drove this 18 year old to want to murder a bunch of people. And I'll tell you this last thing, Brandon, when I was at NBC, I did in-depth reporting on this because the shootings kept happening. It was right after Parkland. And I had on a bunch of mothers who had children they knew were sociopaths. They knew they were loving mothers, but they knew. And there is no place in this country for them to go. There's no facility in this country for them to bring their child. Mothers who are raising the red flag, never mind a school teacher, a principal, a Boy Scout leader. And this is the age, 18 to 25. If you're going to have a psychotic break, this is about when it happens. We need to be focusing once and for all on the absolutely deplorable mental health system for these kids and the absolutely non-existent system for, yes, temporarily depriving them of their civil liberties while we figure out what to do with people we understand are a risk to society. I'll give you the last word, sir. No, I, Megan, that, that's that's 100 percent correct. It's sad because if a kid want to transition, they got all kind of programs to 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 cut the genitalia and, and let them become a transgender and puberty blockers and all kind of other stuff. But I feel like that they're dropping a ball with young people who have mental illness. It's no way you are functioning a young person and you, you you're OK with just killing, murdering people like that. That's There's right. something wrong. And parents do know when their kids are off. I have family members who are off. We know that they're off. We know that something is going on in their mind and we need more resources. How do we get help for them without it turning violent? You call the police and they show up to to assist and that family members become violent with the police. The police are going to have to defend themselves. And that's Mm -hmm. a lot of people are afraid to go down that path. So what what other options do we have for our parents um, to report their own children or to get them the help they need in a more meaningful way? I believe personally, if the parents would have gotten this young man the help he needed for uh, uh, earlier on, maybe he wouldn't have taken his emotional ideologies and turned them into murder. So there's a there's a lot to know what happened. There's a lot to be um, talked about. and And I hope that we see it turn around. Absolutely right. And and the facility, we need to build a facility because it doesn't exist. It needs to be a, a facility into which a loving parent would commit one's child. It can't be like some like, you know, Attica. It's got to be a facility into which a loving parent would commit his or her child. But it does have to be a secure facility. It can't it's it's going to have to have bars on the windows and the the people get who get committed there will not be able to leave until in my view, it has to be sort of a a diverse panel of experts who would have to determine whether this person is no longer a threat to society. I have lots of ideas on it. We can save it for another day, but um, none of it will be looked into in the wake of this shooting, Brandon, because they want to talk about cable. So much appreciate your service. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Megan. God bless you. You too. Coming up, Devin Nunes. Uh, he's CEO of former President Trump's Media and Technology Group, and uh, he's had his own dealings with Adam Schiff. And obviously, he's a Republican. We'll ask him what he thinks of the latest. We're going to get into just a bit more about the media reaction to this shooting in Buffalo in just a second. But uh, I want to start with this with our with our guest, a major test unfolding today for special prosecutor John Durham. 
Now, John Durham was tapped to investigate the origins of the fake Russiagate scandal on which the media misled us for two years. Today, the very first trial in the ongoing investigation involving Michael Sussman opens up. It's number it's day one. In 2016, Sussman went to the FBI with purported evidence of collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia. He was a concerned citizen. He just wanted the FBI to know, looked like Trump was doing something bad. He told the FBI, I'm just here as, you know, Joe Friday. Like, I just I saw this and it's bad. And I'm not here on behalf of any client. I just, you know, I'm a good American. Durham, uh, who's been now looking into these allegations, alleges that was a total lie. And that, in fact, Sussman was there visiting the FBI on behalf of the Hillary Clinton campaign and refused to disclose the fact that this is a political hit job. This is not concerned citizen behavior. Joining me now is someone who has waited a long time for this day in court, and that's former House Intelligence Committee Chair Devin Nunes. Devin is now CEO of former President Trump's Media and Technology Group. Uh, Very glad to have you here today. Thanks for being here, Devin. Megan, great to be with you. It's a pleasure. Before we get to everything that's happening with Trump and the the Sussman um, trial, let's just spend a minute on what happened in Buffalo. Um, The reactions to to what's happened have been just beyond the pale, and I read some of them uh, with our last guest. But I know you've had your exchanges with Adam Schiff. Instead of like taking a moment to just reflect on what's happened here, the loss of life and, you know, the mental health crisis that we're facing in our country, he decides to tweet about Tucker Carlson. Um, I read it in part before. Here it is again. Tucker Carlson is many things, but he's not stupid. When he pushes racist conspiracy theories like the Great Replacement, he knows the risks. He knows some view his vile hate as a call to arms. The problem is Tucker just doesn't give a damn about anyone but himself. That from Adam Schiff, sitting Democratic leader. Uh, That's not the same as some random tweeter pundit. That's got weight behind it. And your view on whether that is the the responsible reaction to this. I mean, Megan, this is a guy who for five years now running has done exactly this. I mean, he's constantly gaslighting. I mean, he clearly knew just I know we're going to go into the Sussman case, but, you know, he was the main perpetrator of the Russia hoax. When I came out in in early 2017 and said, hey, look, I don't see any intelligence here whatsoever that would say that Trump has anything to do with Russia. Um, it was him and all of the Democrats there who continually said, oh, my God, it's there. You just can't see it. Wait till you see it. Things of that nature. So, you know, it's been a slippery slope for him and many of the other leaders where there's just nothing that they won't do, nothing that they won't say. I mean, you now have this, you know, the latest attack on the Supreme Court leaks coming from the Supreme Court. So, you know, what happened, you know, in, in 15 and 16, which was, OK, it's just Donald Trump. Everybody hates him. The fake news hates him. So it's okay to attack him. Um, And it doesn't matter how dirty we get because, you know, clearly everybody's going to cover for us. And it got DOJ, FBI, all these people involved in this has now escalated to, you know, where you have, you know, tweets that go out accusing anybody they don't like of racism. I even saw Elise Stefanik, who's a congresswoman from New York, the highest ranked uh, uh, woman in Congress, highest ranked Republican. She's the number three in the House of Representatives right now for the Republicans. I mean, the both her uh, a local New York paper and then I think even the Washington Post accused her of being a racist. And so, you know, look, I don't know what the basis is for it, but, you know, clearly it's kind of odd, too, I think. And maybe some of your future guests can get into this, but it's like you have one of these tragic events or it's a shooting and then it triggers other shootings. Right. Because we had one in California you just, uh, just, uh, just yesterday, you know, day after. And then you know, there was one in Milwaukee the day before. It's it's 
it's strange what motivates these people, but uh, you know, a lot of times it is mental illness. And as someone who has been targeted multiple times by people with mental illness, it doesn't help when you have the left wing in this country gaslighting uh, all over the place and and you know making it sound okay that someone did did some of this and try to push blame to people when we we've known for a long time you know there is a serious mental illness problem and you know it's almost consistently every time there's been one of these mass shootings it's been something that you know potentially we could have could have been fixed if they had the right help mhm but as far as we know I mean our governor in New York state now is blaming the gun we have to tight. We need tighter gun laws. Meanwhile, New York State has some of the tightest gun laws in the country. She's she's using this as an excuse to ask the Supreme Court to decide in her favor on the gun case that's pending before them right now, where they're trying to decide whether New York's very restrictive gun laws, where you cannot get a concealed carry, not open carry, a concealed carry permit unless you have some special circumstances. You basically have to prove that you're a crime victim. You've been stalked, whatever. Can't get it if you're just a regular citizen. And that argument didn't go well for the governor of New York. Uh, it looks like Supreme Court, in my view and the view of most legal experts watching it, it's going to go the other way and they're going to strike down that law, at least in New York. She used today, she used what happened yesterday in Buffalo as an excuse to try to say, you know, hope the court goes my way. <laughs> as if That's, concealed look, carry has sacred, anything to do with this. As someone who spent, you know, t- you know, two decades in, in Washington, I mean, there are kind of these core, almost fanatical religious, you know, it's almost like a religion to them um, now. And that is... You know, you have to be, you know, for the Green New Deal, for all the extreme climate stuff, you have to be anti-gun uh, and you have to be pro-abortion. And if you're not those three, you don't really uh, you don't really make it out of a Democratic primary because the party is has lurched so far to the left. I mean, I think when I first arrived in Congress, there used to be you know, not a lot of Democrats that were pro-life and, and, and pro-Second Amendment, but, but there, was a, there was a handful. I mean, it was, it was a significant number. I can't, mm-hmm. I, I can't tell if it was 15 or 20, but it was a significant number. And now, like there's, now there's like zero. Yep. The, um, the, the, the view, forgive me for quoting a commentator on The View to you, but um, you mentioned Elise Stefanik, which is what made me think of it, that, and that show just aired. And Anna Navarro, who used to be a Republican, um, She's a never Trump Republican. She's she's obviously a very far left person now. She said, and I quote, if you are an advertiser advertising on that station, meaning Fox, you are part of the problem. If you sit on the board and are trying to be a civilized person, Paul Ryan, my friends, I'm talking to you. You are part of the problem. If you are a Republican donor tweeting about how bad you feel about this, but you're donating to people like Elise Stefanik, you are part of the problem. And here begins the pile on on every Republican or their supporters. And it's very odd of all the people they 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 pick Elise Stefanik. And so take you back just a few years when they've the the left and the Democrats constantly said, oh, the Republicans, they you know, they're war on women, they're anti-woman. They don't have any women that are elected. It's all it's all just a bunch of guys. Well, what they failed to say is that Nancy Pelosi took it upon herself, spent extra money to defeat Republican women back in 2018 and 2020. So now, you know, what do they do? They know that Stefanik is is a very effective communicator, young lady. Um, and I've worked with her for a long time. She was actually very instrumental in in dealing with Adam Schiff during the Russia hoax. So she's a very effective leader uh, and happens to be, you know, you know, not only that, but she's also a woman. So clearly, whatever they're they're clearly they have designs on her because they see her as a threat. 
or people wouldn't be piling on like this. I mean, look, she's going to have, from my perspective, she's got a massive defamation and slander case here uh, against that local New York paper and probably the Washington Post and potentially even Navarro. And I don't know, uh, you know, who she's, I don't know. Is that, yeah, is that NBC? ABC. I don't even know. I don't watch ABC. Yeah, good ABC, for you. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't recommend yeah. it. We'll, we'll we'll watch it so you don't have to. No, you're absolutely right because and and it's almost you know in a way a badge of honor because if they're coming for you, it means they think you're effective and they they feel threatened by you. That's but right. in this particular case, it's dangerous. It's just genuinely dangerous to try to tell the nation that she or Tucker, Paul Ryan, for goodness sake, somehow has moral responsibility or in fact actual responsibility, some sort of actual link to a guy who just committed mass murder. It isn't and, true. Well, and remember, this is they've been very effective at this. Right. So, I mean, you know this because of your time at Fox. I mean, Fox and other and you know, Newsmax, One America News, they've been very effective at getting these woke corporations, which now I think probably 90 percent of the corporations in public you know, companies in the United States are woke now or they have to you know, pray to some woke God. So they're, they're not able to spend their advertising dollars. I mean, you look at you, you look at the shows that, that are on Fox, even though they have you know, sometimes two, three, four, even five times the ratings, you know, you will not see, you know, and I'm not, this is no, uh, this is no slam on Mike Lindell and, and my, the MyPillow guy, but you know, you'll often see multiple MyPillow commercials. Now, why is MyPillow able to buy those? It's because the big corporates are throwing all their money to MSNBC, CNN, and the other networks, um, you know, which you could argue is not even a good use of money because clearly there's a massive audience on these conservative networks. So right. look, they're targeting Paul Ryan because they probably believe that they can get him and the Fox board to take, to take some action. And look, and they won't stop there, right? At first, it'll be they'll mention it in the press. And then the next thing they'll do is they'll start harassment. They'll start lawsuits. They'll start sending people to your home. Um, you know, yeah. I know that because I've you know been dealing with it you know, since I, in 2017, came out and said that, uh, hey, there's uh, Donald Trump's not a Russian agent here and the Republican Party is not under the control of Putin. And, you know, ever since then, you know, I have been, uh, you know, constantly attacked and, and harassed. It just it doesn't stop. And, and they won't stop until unless they think they can defeat you. Right. That's what they That's want. Exactly so you right. have You're to the stand perfect up guest for, for that reason. That's right. Because what you were saying when you went against the grain and said, hold on, it's I'm on the Intel committee. You don't have it. It isn't there. This is made up. They right. came for you. They were angry that you would say such a thing. They dismissed you as just a rube. And what you were saying was true. It just didn't align with their political goals of getting rid of Trump. And they, they considered him an existential threat. So he had to go. And anybody pushing back against the narrative had to go. Um, so, yeah, you've lived this firsthand. The you know, the Paul Ryan thing. I, my, my prediction is the Fox. Fox will not bend. The Fox board will, will not bend. They're not firing Tucker and they shouldn't. Um, mm. And he's already lost a lot of his advertisers. A lot of advertisers don't want to go on his show because of this. And you know what? They'll be just fine. If every advertiser walked from Fox News, they'd be just fine. They make most of their money in the carriage fees that the cable uh, providers pay them. You know, Comcast, all those people pay to have Fox News on their lineup because half of the American public watches Fox. And in fact, it's the most watched channel by Democrats. I mean, more Democrats watch Tucker than any other show. So mm -hmm. they'll be fine financially, even if every advertiser pulls. But it's it's to your it's to your shame and your own uh, business loss if you pull your advertising off of Fox News, because that's half the country. Where else are you going to reach them? You can come on digital media. We're here. But it would just be foolhardy to limit yourselves 
to a situation that didn't involve, you know, such a such a watch cable channel. Uh, Devin, I do want to get into Sussman. It's a fascinating case. It's just starting today and there's nobody better to talk about it than uh, than you. So stand by. Uh, We'll pick it up there right after this quick break. Okay, so let's talk about this Sussman trial today. Michael Sussman is a former partner at the law firm Perkins Coy. And this guy was one of his partners was um, Mark Elias, who's a campaign law specialist who represented the Clinton campaign. And Michael Sussman one day walked into the FBI and said, I got a great tip for you. Oh, my gosh, this bad stuff is going on with Donald Trump and this bank. And you should go check it out because I love my country. And I just want you to know that we're looking at a potential traitor here. And they said, oh, are you affiliated with anybody, you know, like on the the Clinton side? No, no. Just here as a private concerned citizen. And that, of course, wasn't true. Michael Sussman denies all that. Okay, he denies all that. And by the way, the FBI did know they knew that he who he was with and why he was there. But still, it was a lie. Even if, you know, it's still a lie, even if you know you're being lied to. That's what he's on trial for. And this is what the judge in that case has ruled, Devin. He said that they can absolutely try to prove that he lied to the FBI. He has said that they can um, try to prove some aspects of what the special prosecutor John Durham has described as the joint venture, the joint venture uh, to defraud the government. Like, why would you do that? Who else was in it with you? Like, what would your motivation have been to lie? But he's not going to allow him to go to prove the, the joint ventures full scope and membership because they have an alleged conspiracy. So it's like a little bit of a net to get the people around Sussman, but it's not the full fisherman's net to try to get everybody who is in on this. Do you think, do I have it right, basically? Yeah, yeah. So we can unpack that a little bit. So so this, so what's happening here is that, that they got Sussman on something that really puts pits him against the dirty cops at DOJ and FBI. So what happened, this, remember when Sussman walks in, this is after the election when a cabal of them decide this is after when I say after the election, <laughs> we got to go back yeah. after the election of 2016, Donald Trump wins. So earlier in the, in the last segment, you asked me, you know, kind of, how did I know something was wrong? Well, it was because shortly after that election, uh, we had our normal briefing that would be an after an election at the House Intelligence Committee and everything was normal. And in fact, that was the real intelligence. I still go back to that. So three weeks after the election, yeah, Putin's a thug. Putin did bad things. Putin does the things he always does, but it was nothing, you know, no like huge ordeal where he's working with Donald Trump and the Republicans. There was there was no evidence there. And at the time, and that just went away. So there was no no issue. And then about 10 days later, all of a sudden, around the first of December 2016, this whole thing gets blown up again and say, Oh no, no, there's evidence of this. And I said, Well, wait a second. You just told us there was not any evidence, right? Like, mm-hmm. how did this change? And of course, you know, they would say nothing, nothing, nothing. Oh, we're going to do a report, right? Obama commissioned a report. Obama and Biden commissioned a report. And it got done in record time for any government report that I've ever seen, including, you know, with the Christmas and New Year's. This thing was done in a matter of a month, right? So it gets commissioned first part of December and it's done right at the beginning of January when. Uh, the new Congress gets sworn in. And then we go to a briefing and they call us all together, gang of eight. Oh my God, this is really important. And nothing. Comey's there. All these guys are there. 
nothing, zero. I'm like, well, where, you know, I didn't say it like this, but where the hell are the Russians? Like, what are you ta- guys mm-hmm. talking about here? Oh, well, let me just show you. We've got this, what ended up being the steel dossier. Oh, God. Right? So the steel dossier gets, gets thrown out there. And I'm like, what the hell is this? Where has this been? Oh, we've had it. It's been floating around. Well, wait, you never gave it to me. Well, the reason they would never give it to somebody like me or anybody else that's ever actually read an intelligence report is it's laughable. And it would have taken any idiot, anybody has any background in this, a nanosecond to figure out that, that, that it was all fake. But because the news media was in on it, DOJ was in on it, FBI was in on it, all these people were in on this. So what, what, let's get back to Sussman now. What Durham's doing is he's taking a very specific slice of, of the entire saga. So what happens is, is Sussman and whoever instructed him to, to do this gets a little overzealous and decides that they really need this to stick. And one of their latest conspiracy theories was the Alpha Bank conspiracy theory, which was there had been all kinds of garbage, Megan, that, that, that dates back that all fake, all phony, you know, just a, a complete uh, and total kind of a, a, a horrible Hollywood script, actually. And then Sussman and they concoct this thing of, oh, my God, there's Russian banks that are that are pinging with the Donald Trump servers, while at the same time, they're so desperate, they get this this tech company that appears to have government contracts, they actually do go and get and spy on Trump Tower, Trump Apartments, ultimately the White House when Trump was sworn in. Um, and then, of course, Sussman went to the FBI, lied about it, went to CIA and other intelligence agencies, lied about it. And that's what Durham was able to actually get him on specifically. He's already indicted Danchenko, which will be the next, which will be the next trial. So I believe what Durham is, is essentially doing here is it's really going to put Sussman, who's you know top one of the top lawyers on the Clinton campaign, does he and will he take the fall for the Clinton campaign and the DNC? I think that's what we're going to witness here. You know, we're going to see. My guess is that Sussman is is probably betting. Well, he has kind of two ways to go. He can bet his life on a DC jury, which is probably going to be favorable to him. Maybe he'll maybe he'll get off. We've seen what they've done to to others. Um, or he would have to give up the goods on all of these cast of characters, which would take down the entire DNC, the Clinton campaign, possibly even Obama and Biden himself, um, and these dirty cops at DOJ, because we know there were top level people at DOJ and FBI that clearly were involved in this. Um, and so I, I think Sussman has probably had to weigh that. What's the, you know, you know where, what are his best chances? Um, and I guess right now he thinks his best chances with the D.C. jury, because clearly they were all in on it. It was a conspiracy. Durham knows it. There's plenty of circumstantial evidence that we were that we uncovered with our 14 criminal referrals that we made. Durham just has so much more now. And it'll be interesting if he does. Uh, he's got some cooperating witnesses. So for those of us who have been our lives really were upended by this whole fiasco. And, and, and it's not just me, but it's people that I worked with. It's, you know, think of the people like a Carter Page, whose life was ruined, General Flynn, whose life was ruined, uh, Donald Trump, who had to spend basically his whole presidency defending himself that he wasn't a Russian agent. So, so much damage has been done to all of these institutions. Um, but here in the next couple of weeks, if this trial does move forward, jury selection is, is happening today. There's going to be some interesting witnesses, including someone who a couple that have immunity uh, from both Fusion GPS, which was hired to put all this together, 
Uh, and then from this tech company that was doing the spying, uh, someone's been given immunity there, I believe. So that's going to be fast, fascinating testimony. Um, it's going to make, um, going to be, get a lot of people excited. I mean, I'm, so at, at, at Truth Social, you'll like this, Megan, we're, you know, our, our new, uh, our new social media company, people are going crazy right now. I was just, I was actually just looking at it during the break because it's the first Durham sighting. So people have like three seconds of video of Durham walking <laughs> into the court and everybody, you know, so a lot of, you know, millions of Americans have been following this. People want to see justice and, um, and like a Durham sighting now is, is something that everybody gets like excited. Really rock star. They're going to have to choose between this trial and the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. So they're, which is also going to attracting <laughs> yeah, exactly. a lot of attention. So this is just to go back. What, when did all of this start? Do you, do you know, do you have the, do we know when Fusion GPS and like the whole steel dossier and like, when did, when did that first start percolating? Yeah, we pretty much know that they concocted something and they were looking at doing something in late 2015. I believe actually Lee Smith, who wrote probably the, the, the book on this called the mm-hmm. plot against the president. Um, and he actually nailed this. He actually nailed in his book that came out, gosh, I don't know, three or four years ago, all of the fake news people that were totally in bed. We didn't talk about that. All the fake news people who were in bed with the DNC and Sussman and all of these, the infusion GPS. I mean, now mm-hmm. how do we know that? Because Durham has actually provided some of that information in, in his indictments and pleadings that the media was in on it. So Lee Smith actually, I think, has the best lead on this because he got something that we were not able to get when we were investigating. There's the steel dossiers that everybody kind of knows about that went on for, I don't know, six or seven months that culminated with Sussman, you know, Alpha Bank running into the FBI. That was kind of the last, as I remember, that was kind of the last dossier of, 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 of the dossier. But there was something that, that Lee Smith called proto-dossiers that Steele had nothing to do with. So it appears like those were probably written and concocted in late 2015. By early 2016, they're definitely targeting Trump. And what happens is, is that they take that story from Trump has connections to dirty Russian oligarchs. That was kind of the pre-proto-dossier kind of storyline to Trump has dealings with Putin. And we know from our from our investigation that Obama's briefed on this. We know that his attorney general is briefed on on all of this in early like spring uh, 2016. And of course, everything's put in motion, you know, to run, you know, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff we could we could spend multiple shows on it. But the bottom line is, is they started running uh, spies and agents into the Trump campaign. Right. They lure Carter Page to take a trip to London. They get Papadopoulos to, you know, to go down to Italy. They've got, you know, they, they convince a Alexander Downer, Australian uh, ambassador to, you know, to basically come up with fake, inf- you know, phony information on George Papadopoulos and frame him. You know, and, and so the FBI, DOJ, Obama, they were all in on this whole thing that they tried to get going. But of course, they weren't able to do it. You know why? Because there was no there there. Because there was no, even as much mm-hmm. as they tried to force to make it happen and set up the Trump campaign and Republican operatives, they were never able to do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and sadly, I think, you know, when you look back on all this that's happened, it wasn't Trump that had anything to do with Russia or Ukraine or, or China. It was actually Biden and the Biden family. Mm. And, you know, that's and why. the crazy thing is no, no one's paid a price. 
no, no one has paid a price for their malfeasance. And that's what right. Durham is trying to get to the bottom of. He's trying to one by one extract some prices from those yeah, responsible, right. though, you know, there's real question about whether he's ever going to get the big the big enchilada, you know, be able to establish the massive story yeah. the way you just did or just these little slices. And I know, you know, you recommended the 14, uh, 14 criminal referrals to the Department of yeah. Justice yeah. when you were on the House Intel Committee. And I know you ho- say you hope that Durham's looking into every single one of them. But what's your confidence well, level that that's Yeah, it, yeah I think, I mean, he definitely is just by like, because what we, you know, for the most part, what you saw in, in all of that it was 14 criminal referrals involving actually dozens of people that needed to be investigated. Now, we had a circumstantial case. We, you know, we had some direct evidence, but not like what Durham's able to produce. So, look, it clearly was was conspiracy. Um, that carries some very stiff penalties. At the same time, it's hard to prove. And they're going to have to get somebody to break. Um, I'm sure they thought that Sussman would break. He didn't. Um, now, like I said, just to reiterate, uh, Durham, this is why what's going to be so fascinating over the next couple of weeks, Durham did get you know, two important witnesses to break and that got, um, they were able to, uh, that are going to testify because they got immunity. And that's going to be fascinating. The Fusion GPS guy and the guy who worked for that, it was, is it Georgia tech, Institute of Technology? The tech company, jo- Joffe is the guy, Joffe oh, is the guy Joffe, who's, yeah, yeah. who's being investigated by Durham. And, and actually Joffe's that was the guy, the one- we had, we had a guest on talking about him. Joffe's a very colorful character who had access to all these government servers, the server of the White House and other places. And he's the one who said, we're going to use this access to look for connection connections between Trump and the Russians. And right. that's, that's what, what leads to the term spying, uh, cause that wasn't, he had authorized access to the servers, but not necessarily for this purpose. <laughs> and so, yeah, well, sorry, go ahead. I mean, look, this whole, that whole thing about spying, I know you probably want to move on from this, but it's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever, like, I've had to deal with it. Like, how the media can even argue over what the definition of spying is. I mean, they ran agents into the Trump campaign. If that's not spying, I don't yeah. know what the hell is. So, yeah. you know, that's why, you know, I left Congress and to go to a, to run a social media company startup is because I could just see you have 95% of the media out there is totally fake. And they're willing to say, spying, that's not spying. Went, what do you mean? You ran somebody into a campaign? How the hell is it not spying? You morons. <laughs> How is it not spying? You know? <laughs> exactly right. And, and so, you know, and then when you run that through to, the, to you know, through the Facebooks and the, and the Instagrams and all of that, and they say, oh, no, the Hunter Biden laptop story, we're killing that completely. Like, we're going to yeah. kill the story right before an election. And oh, by the way, Zuckerberg just happens to throw in $420 million into a campaign in the targeted states. I mean, we we just have lost our ability to even communicate with one another because people are so reliant on, you know, on these phones and on their iPads and on their desktops. And, um, you know, and that's I think that's why we've and, 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 and I say this, uh, Megan, because this is kind of how this went down for me. I sat there for all those years saying, wait, wait, wait what? It's not spying? Like, what, what, what the hell are you talking about? It's not spying. And then you would see these polls. Like when we first started, it was like, tw- you know, only like 25% originally thought, no, the Republicans aren't like, can, aren't being controlled by Putin. And then we gradually fought over the years. And the polling, even on election day, the last polling that I saw still had close to half of America mm. that went to the polls in 2020 still believe that Donald Trump had something to do with Putin wow. and it could have been further from the truth. And that was kind of the, 
between the the sensory and the New York uh, of the New York Post story, the Hunter Biden laptop story, um, Parler being cut off by Bezos at, at Amazon. You know, I just knew like we have a much bigger problem in this country if we can't even communicate with one another freely to to be open for political speech, we're going to be totally screwed. And you know that's why. By the way, one of the people who one of the people who believed that was our new disinformation czar. This the woman, the show tune tyrant, as one of our guests labeled her, which I love, Chris Rufo, show tune tyrant, um, was one of the people who said that was all that the Russian story was real and the Hunter Biden laptop was disinformation. Um, I want to ask about true social, but just a couple more questions on Durham. Do you think so? Is he going to be issuing a big report? Do you think no matter what he proves in court, do you expect a big report from him that will in a narrative explain to us what he's found, what happened, even if it if he didn't find it indictable? And will it be up to Merrick Garland to release that to us? Because this whole thing got started when Bill Barr was attorney general and appointed Durham yeah. to go look into this. So he's got to report back to the DOJ. So I think the answer is right now, you know, we know he was instructed to do a report um, at this point. I don't. I don't really want to report at this point because I want to see, I mean, this, this case is going to be critical, right? It's going to be interesting to see what a Washington DC jury does if they're willing to actually enforce justice, because there's no question that this, that this guy lied. Um, so we'll see if that, if that, if that happens, the case, I believe it begins in August. And I think Danchenko is a much more interesting figure. Who's, who's he's, he's the guy who put together the dossier and, and kind of handed the information to Christopher Steele. The Wall Street Journal just had a great report on Danchenko and his two like loser friends yeah. who just sat around gossiping. And that turned into the Steele dossier, which every media person ran with. It's like insane yeah, how yeah. these people manipulated well, he was, the media. He was more hired. I think it's even more nefarious than that. It was so go back to what I was talking about earlier, Fusion GPS, right, who commissions this dossier. At first, they have that early dossier, which is just their garbage that they're just trying to float around in 15 and early 16. Then they need to hire an avatar. And that's why they hired Steele. You know, Steele had been an MI6 guy. He had spent some time in Russia. What a perfect guy that they could just hire. Steele didn't write this stuff, right? Well, and what they did, and then Danchenko was essentially another avatar because they had to have a source. And if you remember, you know, we were during our investigation, we're like, where the hell's your source? And I had all these dirty cops at DOJ and FBI who said, oh, my God, if we tell you the source, people are going to die. They're going to die. They're going to get killed. Well, that right there was a lie because this is a guy who was a Brookings Institute dude at one point, (laughs) you know, clearly left wing. He's he's hanging out right in D.C. And guess what? He has made this crap up like he just made it up. He was another avatar. So. From my look, if you think you're putting this together, this is really Fusion GPS concocted the whole damn thing. Still is an avatar. Danchenko's an avatar. Danchenko's problem is, and this is why I think it's going to be interesting, is, you know, he did a whole bunch of lying. And that's going to be, I think, a problem uh, for him because, you know, he was essentially what appears like they were planting information and they were just telling Danchenko, hey, say this, hey, say that. So, you know, he was, it was just essentially, like I said, it was just a bad Hollywood script to frame, you know, Donald Trump and the entire Republican Party. He's again, Danchenko is the next guy to go on yeah. on trial. Uh, so so I'd like to see that just. Yeah. So just to close that, I, I want to see that trial. Um, I do believe, you know, that this Jaffe seems like he's under investigation. He could be indicted. And, you know, clearly will all these people. And this is the question. Take the fall to protect the DNC, Clintons, and the dirty cops at DOJ and FBI, and the fake news media who were all involved in this too. 
will those guys do serious time? And I think the Danchenko issue is going to be interesting because he's going to be tried in Virginia, should be a much more normal uh, and fair jury, I would think. Um, and then after that, you know, then I'd like to see a report. But most importantly, I think we want to see uh, people pay a price for the biggest political scandal in, in modern U.S. Uh, political history. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, we'll see if if Merrick Garland manipulates it or doesn't let us see it. I'm sure it'll come out in much the same way the Mueller report did when they felt <laughs> Bill Barr uh, didn't accurately represent his findings, though Bill Barr would dispute that as he did when I talked to well, him. And, th- you know, the issue here is going to be, too, is like the, this. This is going to happen. The Danchenko, I think that's August, September. We'll see if there's more indictments that come. But if the if politics stay the way that they look like they're headed to come November, Garland's going to have a bigger problem on his hands because if Republicans do get the majority back in the House and the Senate, um, I, you know, I know, I mean, there's enough good people that I worked with there. I mean, there's going to be a zero tolerance. I mean, subpoenas are going to go out right away to these guys if they try any shenanigans. So, uh, you know, not that a subpoena is into the, the world, but we know so much more about how dirty the, the left will be. But I'm sure there's going to be a very low tolerance level from, you know, by both, you know, like guys like Senator Grassley, Senator Johnson that worked closely with us on yeah. our investigation yeah. from the Senate side, Jim Jordan, Elise Stefanik, who we talked about earlier. So yeah. they know that these subpoenas have to go out. So I think Garland um, has to be looking that, you know, right, you know, kind of that down a barrel. And I just think this is an issue that is, you know, is never going to die until justice is served. And if justice is not served, then I think we're in a, we're in a situation where we're just going to have the continued decay of these institutions. And that's why I've said that, that so much is riding on John Durham and his team, which really is kind of the future of these, these institutions well, you, in our country. I, I, uh, I remember watching you push back against these narratives about about Trump. And I remember thinking, I have no idea what the truth is. I have no freaking clue at that point. You know, I mean, you guys were just putting it together. You were putting it together and you push back. And I remember seeing what the media did to you and thinking, my God, either he is a complete stooge who knows nothing, who's for some reason taken a huge risk to his reputation, or he's telling the truth. And the media yeah. can't stand to hear. And you we have an answer to that. I mean, it, there that is a factual thing that one can know. And now we know that you were telling the truth, that they tried to destroy you because what you said went against their narrative. And it's a pattern that they have repeated way too many times. Let's spend a couple minutes before you go on Truth Social. So it had some trouble uh, getting off the ground. It had a lot of people who wanted to get on, who couldn't get on and so on. I, I, my understanding is it's running better now. But what is it? Is it like a Twitter? Is it like a Facebook? And yeah, how so, are you so, going to make it work when Trump reportedly says he's not really going to do much on there until it gets more traction? Well, that's so. So a lot of that, uh, you know, once again, it's basically been fake news. Right. So so I took, you know, we just it's a startup company uh, took over in January. Both President Trump and I said, look, we're not going to do anything till the end of the first quarter. Uh, in terms of being available, you know, for the full public. So what we did do, though, is we started beta testing. Um, actually, in early February, we started beta testing, and we slowly were adding people. We had overwhelming number of people sign up that wanted to be on that uh, on the app, and we just couldn't take them yet because we're not doing things like relying on these big tech companies. We're building, we were building out our, our whole entire cloud so that we can't be canceled because we want to protect uh, our users and our user base. So. Kind of what happened, Megan, was is that that as we were rolling out and we had a huge wait list, which, by the way, was the plan. 
That's a good sign. And the fake news, the fake news said, oh, it's a disaster. You know, <laughs> nobody's on it. It's like, yeah. hey, morons, did you not see what we've been saying? And then lo and behold, middle of April, we opened up Rumble Cloud wide open. So everybody can go to the Apple App Store and download. And by the way, then it was 10 days in a row, like at number one on the Apple App Store. And I think the fake news media didn't know what to do. We were even ahead of Twitter, who was you know taking up all the oxygen in the room. We we're actually ahead of them. Uh, this was during the kind of the whole when Elon Musk was going to buy them is essentially when we when we launched uh, on, on Apple. And now in the coming days, we're actually going to be open for our web browser. We're, we're beta testing that now, have been for a while. And we're going to go live with that here just in a, a matter of a few days. So, you know, the truth is, is that we're the fastest growing social media company, I would argue, in, in history. Nobody's added more users like we have. And we're only on the Apple App Store and only in the United States of America, I will add. So, so what we're, you know, so I've had to just kind of deal with that, like these fake news narratives, which good thing is, is I'm, I'm, I'm used to it. Yeah. Uh, Donald Trump so now are, is on so there. The He's Trump posting fans. four, five, six, seven times a day. Okay. And our goal is to be a place where you can't be canceled. You're not going to be censored politically. But also, uh, more importantly, what we're looking at is, is, you know, people have migrated to Instagram and TikTok are where the kind of the consumer is. And so we need a platform. So we do a lot of what we already do what Twitter can do. Um, but I would say we have really good pictures and our, and we have really good video. And our goal is, is to have a, a real component like Instagram has with video, but still be a place for content creators like yourself, where you can easily post links and get clicks. Because mm -hmm. I think that's one of the problems with Instagram. Instagram sucks you in. They keep you there. They keep people there for a long time. But Megan Kelly doesn't get very many clicks. She may get views but you don't get actual clicks down to your podcast. Somebody may watch it for five minutes, but they don't click and actually download your, your podcast. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at, that's where the market is. There's, there, there are you know hundreds of millions of Americans that are and people around yeah, the globe. What, that are what, on if I go, what if I go on there and I say something not nice about President Trump? Do I, <laughs> does my link still work? Oh my God, it happens all the time. <laughs> I'm only <laughs> teasing. Happens. No, I know it does. Oh, yeah, oh my I gotta God, go. Yeah, I gotta happens. go, but, so I need a quick answer on this. But what do, do, do you believe he's really gonna stay off Twitter? He says he's not going back on Twitter. Yeah, Twitter, Twitter really is, that's an interesting case. So I was making the case about Instagram and, and I've been saying this for a while. We don't, we spend any time at True Social that we spend worrying about about Twitter is a waste of our time. And I know that, and kind of you're seeing this now in the last few days with Elon Musk, where he came out and said that that it's five percent, you know, that it's it's sh greater than fake five percent are bots or fake accounts. Yeah. What I've said, and I'll and I'll stick by this, it's a lot closer on Twitter to being five percent only real accounts than it is to being only five percent fake accounts. So mm. normal people. And I'm not no offense to, to, to you, Megan, but look, <sighs> celebrities, Hollywood people, you know, political hacks, you know, old political people like myself. Yeah, uh, those types of people are on Twitter. It's like an echo chamber for blue checkers to go argue with one another. It's annoying. But I promise you, if you go to kind of your high school friends or college friends and you say, how many of you in the room are on are on Twitter? And I guarantee you, probably only your hand would go up, Megan. Yeah, well, <laughs> there would be nobody else. Now, I Instagram, only have a toe on Twitter, I tell you, I don't spend that much time on it. Like, you know, I mean, your your boss now, Trump used to tweet 58 times a day. That yeah. that was like an actual stat. I just can't do it. I'm just I have too busy a life. I just and he did, too. But he had people helping him. Um, listen, I hope it succeeds. We need more yeah, competition you. in this space, not less. And we need l less censorship and we need more commitment to the full expression of values, even conservative values. Oh, <gasps> the horror. <laughs> um, so I support the mission and I, I hope it, it does really well.
Devin, it's hey, a pleasure. It's a pleasure talking to you. I hope you come back. Uh, absolutely. We'll watch this uh, Durham stuff closely. All right. All the best to you. Coming up, Christian Walker is here. So excited to talk to him. And I know you're going to love this exchange. So excited for our next guest. It's Christian Walker. He's a very popular conservative commentator. He happens to be the son of NFL legend and Georgia Senate candidate Herschel Walker. And he is a social media influencer with millions of TikTok and Instagram followers who has been requested many times by our listeners. And I have become a fan, too, thanks to my hairstylist who introduced me to Christian. Christian, so glad to have you here. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Me too. She, I told her, I'm like, today is the day, Sarah. She was like, oh my God, I'm dying. She loves <laughs> you. And she's the one who started, started playing me your Instagram videos. And they're so funny. I always get a laugh. You always say smart things. You're fearless. So let's start with how, how did you get to be this way? How did you get to be totally fearless in your political commentary and your willingness to express your even controversial opinions? So it just happened very naturally when what I call the BLM terrorist attacks were overtaking the country. And I watched my city. I live in Los Angeles. I watched it go up in flames one day. And then I went on Instagram and I saw everyone posting black squares supporting the violence. I didn't have any friends that were speaking out against it. I felt like I wanted to voice my opinion. And from there, I just started talking about all of my different political takes and it just took off. But um, yeah, I tried to add in a little bit of humor with everything that um, even if it's a serious topic, I think it's super important to add in humor. And so I try to seek to do that every day. Yes, I will. I'll get to some of the ones. I'll show you my favorite one in a minute. But um, one of the ones that went totally viral was about uh, Joe Biden. Right. Was it the um, was it the you ain't black comment that he made? Yes. um, I even think President Trump retweeted that one or that was one of my first really big ones when he said you ain't black. And it was just very interesting that. Uh, it's funny how the left is always talking about racism and this and that, yet they're the ones who attribute certain characteristics or behaviors to a skin color. Uh, I don't think how you vote or your political beliefs should determine uh, what your skin color is or determine who gets to uh, tell you how to think. So, yeah, yes, that no, was we, one of the first big ones. We have a little bit of that. This is Soundbite 7, which went totally viral. Joe Biden, your comments disgusted me today. Black America has been fighting stereotypes that we all have to speak a certain way, that we all have to act a certain way, and that we all have to vote a certain way for years. You said if we don't vote for you, we ain't black? Who are you to determine who's black and who's not? Who are you to determine blackness? You do not get a pass from racism just because you're an old white liberal. You showed your true colors today, sir, and you lost a lot of Black America today. Thank God. That's fascinating. But did he get a pass on that? Because I only hear conservatives ever raise that comment. I think he absolutely did get a pass. I think a lot of the left always gets a pass for their blatant racism. And I'm I'm not one, I'm not a woke type who's always looking for someone to say something racist or finding racism in what someone says, but saying that someone isn't black because they don't behave in a way that you attribute to quote unquote blackness, I would think is racist. Yeah. And didn't wasn't it who was it on? Was it Sonny Hostin on The View who just said uh, black American is an oxymoron? I mean, yeah, 
black, not black American, black Republican. Yes, always coming in with the crazy hot takes. I feel like she tries to out crazy herself every single day. I mean, it must be annoying. Like we've had a lot of black conservatives on the show who are like, could you just spare me the lecture? It's just so it's so diminishing. It's so offensive. And they get away with it. They get away with it with with calling people like, you know, Clarence Thomas, Uncle Tom, just because he's conservative. There's an expectation you're supposed to be on one side of the aisle. Yes, they don't allow you to think for yourself. And, And everyone's always saying that, but they think that they are the ones who get to dictate what you believe because of your skin color. There's no freedom of thought. There's no room for freedom of thought on the left. So you were at SMU, which is of the universities out there, somewhat friendly to conservatives. You know, it's like it's a weird scale, but I would say that was that's probably more friendly than than where you wound up. So you voluntarily left SMU and transferred to UCLA. And you've you've documented some of what that's been like. But from where I sit, it's been terrible. They've been terrible to you. (laughs) It's been horrific. Don't even ask me why I left SMU. I was having a wonderful time. I just wanted to be intellectually pushed a little bit more. And I'm really happy that I did wind up transferring to UCLA because of the battles I've gotten in and because I've been able to showcase how insane uh, the left is on campus, but they've been nothing but horrible. The professors, the students conspire against me. They threaten me. I have to walk around campus with security every single day or every day that I have class. My parents send me with a security guard because they're nervous I'm going to be beat up on the campus. Well, it seems well founded. I mean, have you been attacked before? I remember seeing some sort of post about that. And then I definitely saw posts where they're saying how they want to hurt you. Yes, they say they want to beat my ass on campus, on Bruin Walk, a certain a certain section of UCLA. So um, it would be very weird and nerve wracking to to go on campus without without a little bit of protection. Oh, my goodness. So it's I mean, this sort of tolerant, right, the far left society that's on campus, I'm sure at UCLA, that certainly would. I mean, if you were a, a you're out uh, as a gay man. If you were a black gay man saying liberal things, there's no way they'd tolerate any of this against you. Right. But they're the ones perpetrating it against you because you happen to lean conservative. It's insane because I check all of the woke identity boxes. I mean, I, certain facets of my identity um, would be stereotypical or what, what the woke left worships. Yeah, because I don't think how they expect me to think and because I don't think how my demographic typically thinks um, they hate me and they really show they really show their true colors, which is far from tolerant, the most anti-tolerant people in the world. And and what blows my mind is they love talking about how it's the South who's intolerant. I grew up in the South and I, I was judged based on my character. Yet in, in liberal sections of the country, it seems that people are judged simply based off facets of their identity, such as skin color and and sexuality and that's ridiculous what do you make of it i mean what you just this morning i was at uh, my daughter's school where they're hiring a new head of school and we get to interview the potential candidates and ask our questions and at each one of these we've heard about dei and the commitment to dei diversity and equity and inclusion and how important it is and i wonder like as a as a black man who thinks more conservatively how those programs grab you I think it's demeaning because I don't need a special program uh, to give me special rights to be able to succeed. I can succeed based on working hard. Um, But clearly the left doesn't believe that. And I think it's a mix of demeaning 
quote unquote people of color. I, I effing hate that term. It's the worst. It's so weird. Uh, but demeaning <laughs> people of color as well as uh, trying to seek revenge against white people. I think what, that's what these programs are based off of. Hmm. Now, um, maybe our audience is getting a feel for why these kinds of discussions happen in the classes that you have the nerve to attend after paying tens of thousands of dollars to go there. Uh, this was apparently from uh, a Chinese class. And I know you speak you have a degree, I think, in, in um, that talking about keeping you out of their class um, by asking, quote, not to be grouped with him. Uh, somebody writes, I want to bully his sorry ass so bad. They're horrified to find out that you're in the class. One says, I need to find the proper way to say you're a effing piece of shit in Mandarin so I can practice that with him. Somebody says, oh, my God, I just stayed after class and explained to somebody that uh, about you. And she was just like, yeah, I know about him. But unfortunately, my goal in this class is to teach Chinese. So I guess it's your teacher. So I am not allowed to judge him. But if students request not to be grouped with him, then I can accommodate those requests. My God, my God. And you you respond saying, I'm not a victim. I don't care that a couple of miserable people with pronouns in their bio don't like me. But I'd like to point something out. If I was the same person, I am black, attracted to men, but I was on the left at UCLA would expel these students Yes, a hundred percent. Absolutely. And what's so crazy is you're supposed to go to college to be introduced to people who come from different walks of life and think differently than you. Yet in 2022 on college campuses, students are conspiring with teachers to exclude people who have certain political beliefs. I had another student, another classmate who emailed the teacher. I'm a Nazi because because of my because I'm a conservative. So this is the sort of rhetoric and the sort of discrimination that that conservative students face on college campuses. Now, it's not just, sadly, the students and some of these professors. The, the university itself came for you. They sent out some some tweets saying well, we understand some inappropriate or hateful comments have been made. And I wasn't sure what it was about. Here I have it. The UCLA dean of students tweets out. Uh, Dean of Students is aware of remarks in which a student uses hurtful language on social media. Here you go, Christian. The words we use online can hurt or heal. <laughs> While freedom of speech may protect the right to make offensive statements, we encourage our students to exercise their rights in a way that is principled, thoughtful, and respectful. And what they mean is leftist. <laughs> what did you make of that? Exactly. So I had said the word retard in reference to, I said that a lot of times the N word is weaponized against white people. So black people will call each other the N word all the time, rap about it in their songs. And then if a white person happens to rap along to a popular song, suddenly they're enemy number one, they need to be fired from their job. And I called that idea retarded. This mm. prompted uh, a million emails from leftists who want me expelled from school. Uh, the dean of students winded up tweeting that out. Um, but it's funny because fellow students talk about beating me up. They call me racist slurs. They call me slurs that would that would get them expelled if I was a leftist. But they're not punished. It's it's all about me because because I'm a conservative and I don't believe in this race Marxism and the insanity that takes place on college. Mm -hmm. yeah. well, it's so great. You have the perspective and the strength to be able to to know that, to know why they continue to target you, because, you know, it can be stressful to see this, to have this amount of incoming and there's a lot of nastiness and threats and hate and so on. So how do you, does that affect you at all? 
I always say I know there's so many conservative students that don't have my platform and really are utilizing college or at least their undergrad degree to be uh, uh, accepted to a med program or go to law school so they don't have the courage to speak up. They're, they're scared that professors will punish them grade-wise. So if I can use my platform and my position and, and, and my... The, how blessed I've been to uh, shed light on what's taking place on campuses and help uh, uh, end the discrimination against conservative students. I'm happy to do that, even if it means backlash. That's awesome. I just love that so much. So you um, now you I referred to you as a gay man, which I shouldn't have done. You don't like that term. You use it. (laughs) You're a you're a you, you say it the way you the way you like it. I don't. I think I call the the gay world and the LGBTQ ABCD crazy crap the rainbow cult. And I don't even want to be attached into that. I don't agree with the lifestyle. I don't need to go to a pride month every or a pride march every pride month and walk around the streets naked and have sex behind a dumpster (laughs) to know I'm attracted to men. I'm attracted to men. That's where it ends. So I differentiate myself by saying I'm attracted to men. Don't put that ghetto trash G word on me. <laughs> I love that. Okay. So now this is one of the ways in which I was introduced to you because I it was after I remember what it was after that I found this meme. Um there was that tweet where the one guy tweeted out a picture of his wife shoveling the driveway and he was like she just came home from an working overnight all night at the hospital and now look at her she's out there shoveling the driveway it was like what the hell is a canadian guy everybody was just raining shit on this guy for like what do you what are you why would you be tweeting this you know and he's like oh i made her breakfast i remember being like 100 he did not make her breakfast but <laughs> that is when i saw the following from you. Hold on. I got to find it. My soundbite list is so long. Let me find it. Uh, <laughs> this is it. I think it's back. I'm yes, here sure. it is. Hold on. Soundbite eight. It was the last part. Watch this. I'm not for the draft. I'm just saying our men used to be drafted into war to protect us. And now they're putting their mask on in between bites while they eat because they're scared of fresh air. Bring our men back. Where's our men? <laughs> <laughs> Can we bring our big, strong muscle protectors back? What happened to them? They're at pride marches. So true. I love it. Bring our men back. Where's our men? I couldn't agree more. It's like, it's fine. Takes all types, but it's not like, you know, there's a very large space missing if you take back our manly men. Something that you tried to make the point on in another very funny bit on TikTok. This is why he's so popular, everybody. This is Soundbite 12 on feminism women so i know a lot of y'all are big feminists and into the e-word equality but we can be equal and do different things why would you want to go to war and do the big muscle man stuff i don't even want to do the big muscle man stuff let's stay home let's go shopping let's get a coffee at 2 p.m let's take cute instagram pics and let's leave the hard work to the muscle men let's let them do it they can take care of us they can provide i don't want to do that stuff and if i don't want to do it then i'm sure y'all don't want to do it we'll do the fun stuff and they can do the hard stuff see we can still be equal but we don't need to do the same tasks we'll leave them to do the dirty task and we'll do the fun ones like baking (laughs) cookies when they come home (laughs) it's so funny because uh all the response to that video came from all the like marxist far left feminists and they were like he's right that's exactly what i want and i'm like this is literally traditional conservatism just packaged in a fun way and and you you say that's what you want 
Well, that's actually something that you focus on. Like, that's kind of a message that you have for conservatives. Like, conservatism doesn't need to be like old and dodgy, stodgy and boring. It can be fun. And that's sort of captured in how you do like your Starbucks video every day. Like, talk to us about your approach and why you do it the way you do. Well, I know that the left has a big hold on young people. They dominate Hollywood. They dominate the media. They dominate social media platforms. A lot of the big influencers outside of the political space uh, are leftist. Multinational companies bow down to the woke left. And they're fun. They're colorful. They're sparkly. They push their political messages in fun ways. So I see why it's attractive to young people who aren't in touch and maybe have never been introduced to conservatism except from the woke left. So if we have any chance of winning the culture back and and specifically winning young people back, we need to preach our messages in fun ways. It doesn't need to be buttoned up and stuffy. It doesn't need to be with a suit and tie every time. Of course, we need that. We need the professionalism and we also need the button down fun. And so I try to bring that that aspect to my to my political commentary. We need soundbite 10 before we go any further. It's a follow up on the last point. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I'm just making a video. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Pulls down the shades. <laughs> it's amazing. We are we're like a super feminizing men these days. And it is like, I thank you for being our ambassador. <laughs> <laughs> little irony thrown in there, a little humor and a lot of fun. And, you know, speaking of manly men, your dad's looking pretty good in this Georgia Senate race. How do you feel about it? He's doing great. The primary is coming up soon. I'm not super involved in the campaign, but I know he's about to slaughter that primary, which will be fun to watch. And then I think it's a tough race. I think, you know, a lot of Republicans, a lot of conservatives, I think we have a chronic problem of overconfidence sometimes. And so I really just want to see it through, continue working hard, continue hitting the proper issues so we can take back the House and the Senate in November. It's not a done deal just yet. Um, However, with my dad, he's raising tons of money and I, I think they're going to wind up doing a good job. Hugely popular and endorsed by Trump, which has worked out well for a lot of guys so far. Christian, what a pleasure. I, I hope you'll come back. You're too fun not to know on an ongoing basis. It was an honor. Thank you for having me. Oh, the pleasure was mine. You can find him on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. He is a must follow. Need I say more? Let's hear it again. Soundbite 10. I'm not for the draft. I'm just saying our men used to be drafted into war to protect us. And now they're putting their mask on in between bites while they eat because they're scared of fresh air. Bring our men back! Where's our men? (laughs) Where's our men? (laughs) Love him. Well, if you want a real man, you should stay tuned to this show this week because we are going to have Jonathan Isaac with us. Um, this week. he Remember him? He's the NBA player who refused to kneel for the national anthem and then refused to get the vaccine. You can imagine what happened to him. He's got a new book out. Fascinating guy. He'll be here. In the meantime, download The Megan Kelly Show on Apple, Pandora, Spotify, and Stitcher. Also at YouTube.com slash Megyn Kelly. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to The Megyn Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear. <laughs>